welcome to a podcast about the unbelievable. This is like a six foot two guy bursting into my car in the middle of the night where I'm supposed to have this hot blonde musician sitting next to me. The unlikely. I need you to pay me right now or your marriage is over. I will release this footage. The unexpected. He turns to me and goes, so I'm here for my lesson and just laughed and went, okay, what lesson? It was racy. It's footage you wouldn't want your nan to see. Chance Encounters. Episode three, The Accidental Trip, part one. So in January 2015, I was in... I was living in London and I was in a pub having quite a big night with two of my best friends. I'd been living in London for about five years then. I had a good job. I was feeling super settled. I kind of travelled a bit around Europe, but I'd never done a big trip. And then that night, very, very, very drunk, about four in the morning in the pub, and my friend decided that he wanted to spend the next New Year's abroad, somewhere exotic, travelling. And I thought that sounded like a great idea, so I said, I'll quit my job and come with you as well, which was very kind of out of character. And then my third friend, David, got back from the bar and he had another round of beers, another round of shots and things like that. And he said, I will come as well, but I will only come if we book it now, because if we don't book it now, we're going to talk ourselves out of it when we're sober in the morning. So just before closing time, we all huddled around my iPhone, far too drunk to even contemplate anything like that. And we booked three one-way flights to Manila for December of that year. So this was January, so we had given ourselves 12 months to save up and the next morning we woke up and kind of didn't remember it for the first i don't know half an hour or hour or so my friend called me and was like are you still up for it and i and then it all started coming back to me and i had this this fear and things and i looked on my email i found that we'd booked three one-way flights to the philippines but i noticed that the three booking numbers for our passport numbers two of the numbers were the correct length and one of the number was one was one short so i realized that in our kind of drunken haste We'd got the booking details wrong. My friend's passport number was incorrect. So it requested a refund, and it took about five, six, seven, eight weeks for the refund to come through. And we decided during that period that we were still going to do it, but when the money came back, we were going to do it at my house. We were going to book it sober, and we were going to do it properly this time. So I got the money back. And then that Friday evening, my friends came over. And I opened the door to let them in and they had a case of like 24 Budweiser's. And we decided to have a few beers and play some tunes and things like that. And then before you know it, we were drunkenly booking flights again. But this time I was very, very astute. I was reading everything perfectly. Everyone's names were spelled correctly. Passport details were right. The dates of the flights were perfect. Everything was absolutely exemplary. We'd done the form correct. But I think maybe because I'd spent so long dwelling on it when we... When we pressed submit, once we put my card details in and pressed submit, the the Apple loading sign came up and it said, wait a few seconds, don't refresh this screen, nothing like that. And we waited and waited and waited. Nothing happened. And we got a little bit impatient and just assumed that it had timed out and it hadn't worked. So we we opened up a new tab and started and redid the booking. Unbeknownst to us, the previous screen was still loading. And as we were halfway through the second booking first booking completed and then we made the second booking and then we had the horrible realization that we'd just booked six flights for three of us and the next morning we were trying to figure out how we were going to play this and we thought we could call the airline how could three people possibly book the same flight twice within like 
30 seconds of each other. It was a, a clerical error, a system error, something like that. And they told us they were going to look into it and get back in touch. They, they were fairly confident, too, that it was just an error with the system and they'd cancel one of the bookings for us. But about 10, 15 minutes later, they got back in touch saying the names on the second booking were different to the names on the first booking. And I looked again, and in in our haste the second time around when I, was, when I wasn't being quite as anal and fastidious with, with checking that the, the fields were all entered correctly, I'd got my friend's surnames mixed up. In the end, we'd booked nine one-way flights to the Philippines for three of us, and we had to cancel six of them. So people kind of, a lot of people joke that the whole trip was doomed from the start. So that was in March. All the errors had occurred, but we'd also booked three correct flights. And then in December, the three of us flew out to the Philippines. And we had six weeks in the Philippines. When we'd been in the Philippines, we met this cool Dutch girl, Steph, and the two of us were kind of chatting a bit on and off. And she mentioned that she was flying up to Myanmar for a couple of weeks. And if I wanted to join her, I'd be welcome to. And that's we'd gone really well. And Myanmar just sounded so different to where I'd been before. So I decided to go meet her there. And we traveled around Myanmar for a couple of weeks. We met, there was a group of about five or six of us that kind of met up in, in the hostel the first night or two. And we did Myanmar together. One of that group of six was a British girl, May, and we really, really hit it off. May had invited me to go to Laos with her. So I decided to go to Laos and we had two amazing weeks in Laos. From there, we decided we were going to drive over the border to Vietnam. So I, I think it was on the 15th of April, we got an overnight bus from Vientiane to Hanoi. And when you do the land border crossing, the night buses get in kind of two, three in the morning at the, at the border crossing. The border's closed till about six or seven in the morning, so you sleep on the bus and then you get up in the morning and you have to get your passport and your visa stamped on the border. And we were in the queue for about 10 or 15 minutes and next to us in the queue was two American girls and three British guys. And we kind of chit-chatted to them a bit. I remember one of the British guys was a bit aloof. He was a bit silly. And I cracked a joke, teasing him a little bit. And one of the American girls like giggled at it. And I kind of cottoned on and it was the girl that I'd kind of seen walking into the queue. And I was like, oh, she's quite attractive. She's very striking. Big, big, big eyes. She had her hair pulled back. And she was wearing these like elephant trousers. Black t-shirt with the red Tokyo flag on it. She's pretty beautiful. Yeah. That's when Tom had love at first sight. And I don't remember him at all. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember seeing him. I don't remember anything. I do remember somebody in the room that was packed. Somebody in the back said something. I don't remember what it was, but I remember that it was funny and I laughed. And Tom is convinced it was him. So that would be the first time that I have a memory of Tom, but I don't know it was him. And to get back onto the bus, you had to walk across the border? As soon as she left, I was a bit taken by her then. And I do remember at that point meeting the girl that Tom was with named May. And we walked across the border together and talked for a little while. Um, so I remember meeting her way before I remember meeting Tom. And then we got back on our buses and left. We were on a different bus to them. And we hadn't even chatted enough that we really said goodbye or anything like that. Didn't know didn't know any of their names. Didn't ar arrange to meet up in Hanoi. It was just like, you meet so many people traveling. So we got back on the bus and there was still hours to drive to Hanoi. And then my friend May and I had two or three days in Hanoi. 
decided we were going to go up to the mountains in Sapa and do a hike. We'd been a little bit ill when we were in Hanoi, so we hadn't seen as much of it as I'd have hoped. We'd gone out for a few drinks, but we hadn't had like a big tear up. I wanted like a, a super boozy night and we, we hadn't really had that. So I decided to stay on. And then the next day I got the bus up to Sapa to meet May and we were, we were having some lunch or something. She mentioned she was on the same bus up as the two American girls we'd met at the border. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because obviously I'd been, I'd spent a little bit of those previous couple of days thinking about the blonde American girl. So we had a couple of days in Sapa. It was a bit uneventful. We couldn't do the hikes that we wanted to do. There was a big storm. It was like really beautiful. We sat in the, like on the balcony of the hostel and there's these amazing kind of thunder and lightning storms, but we didn't really get to do what we wanted. And the, the storms were forecast to last for quite a few days. Uh, and there's nothing else to really do there unless you're hiking. So we, we kind of cut our losses and decided we'd go down to Harlong Bay. When you're getting like one of the big overnight buses, like little mini buses will just come around and pick people up from just different hostels and homestays and things like that. And then they will drop you off at the bus station and they'll say, wait here, your bus is going to be here. And we jumped on the minibus. Aubrey and Natalie, the two American girls, were on it again. So by this stage, I'd bumped into her twice, totally by chance. May had bumped into them three times, totally by chance. And, and it was only like a two or three minute bus ride to the bus station and we got dropped off at the bus station. And all the buses set off at like 10 p.m. and ours was the last to go. So we were just we were just chit-chatting to them, waiting on the bench. We had to wait maybe half an hour for the bus to arrive. Bumped into May again. I remember getting off of our bus and we were going to be headed to Holong Bay. And we were just kind of waiting for our connecting bus and I got off and sitting on the bench was May again. And so I went over to her and I was like, hey, enough is enough. Like, we just keep bumping into each other. Something's, something's got to give here. The universe is saying, hey, you morons, like, it's time to travel together. And she laughed and thought it was great. And so we decided to travel together. And when the girl I was traveling with and Tom came back, we told them, we're like, hey, we're traveling together. That's that. And that must have just been the best day of Tom's life because he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> and then we got on. We were one of the first people on. And the four of us just just got the row of five back. We kind of stayed up chatting for the first hour. May was in the window. I was next to her. The middle seat was free. And then there was Natalie and Aubrey. So we were kind of chatting, but it wasn't just the two of us, like shoulder to shoulder, just chit-chatting between us. It was just a big group chat. And we were all kind of talking about where we'd been up until that stage. I'd been traveling for about five months. I, I believe Aubrey started at a similar time to me, as did Natalie. We were all kind of five months into into trips so chatting about where we'd been and obviously we were all getting the bus to Harlong Bay it's weird that we kind of bumped into each other a few times seems like a nice little group like we got on well this evening let's book a boat trip together that wasn't the first time we'd bumped into people that we'd met before but it was just weird that it was three times in the space of a week so we get to Harlong Bay decided to do a cruise for a couple of days and we got in just kind of wandered around the city looking for a the perfect cruise ship, I guess. Finally got a boat. And it was from this guy with the longest mole hairs I've ever seen. Like maybe six inches off of his face. I can just picture it so clearly. <laughs> so we're on our cruise. It's maybe um, five rooms or so. It's not, not a big one. Maybe 20 people on the ship. Did a few different adventures. We did like a cave tour and then the canoes 
which was so fun. I don't know, a bunch of other things. And then the main event. There was like a bit of a, not really a boat party. There's a group of like 15, 20 people on the boat, had some beers and things like that, had a lot of food. And then everyone kind of filtered out off to bed. Aubrey and I, it just transpired that we were the last two people up, sat on the back of the boat and we were just dangling our legs off. Came out one night and a couple of workers were fishing off the back of the boat. And we thought, oh, that's great. We'd love to participate. We'd love to hang out with you guys. And they left to go do some other things after a while, but left us in charge of this fishing operation. We're like, okay, we definitely got this. We can handle this. We've fished once when we were 13 years old. We know how to do this. And so we hooked up the bait from their bucket. So we hooked up these little squid bait onto the fishing poles and we're bouncing them around in the water. We're like, great, we're going to catch some really big fish. They're going to be so proud of us. And then all of the bait was gone and we'd lost all of the squid and caught nothing. And the workers came back and said, uh, where's all of the squid that we caught? I'm like, uh, they escaped. <laughs> what do you say? You lose all of their actual catches because you're thinking that you're using it as bait. And so we dedicated ourselves to catching back all of the squid. But it was me and Tom who probably lost everything. And we were definitely the only two that committed ourselves to catching everything back. So when we were doing the squid fishing, I was like, yeah, I really like Tom. It'd be kind of weird for the group if anything happened, but I bet I could get him to try to kiss me. I bet I could swing this. Nothing happened. I'm not, I don't have much conviction when it comes to girl. I didn't really have much confidence in myself. And she's like way out of my league. So didn't make a move. I'm not, not one of those guys that's going to lean in for a kiss, things like that. Didn't ever really work out well for me. I've kind of misjudged situations like that in the past. She's just super sweet, but someone can be sweet to you without like being keen. She's just like super lovely, really nice to chat to, laughed super easily. Uh, and we just got, we just got on really, really well. I was definitely a little bit smitten like quite early. As soon as she'd left at my joke on the border, <laughs> I was, I was smitten. So we did catch all of the squids back, or at least a few. Um, and it took, oh, hours, who knows how long we were out there, um, finally catching all of these squids. And I could tell that Tom wanted to kiss me. And I was like, ooh, is he gonna do it? Is he gonna do it? And then he did it. <laughs> and then I walked down to my cabin. And at the end, I was about to go into my room. And I was like, maybe I should just go back and kiss him. And I was like, no, nah, he missed a shot. <laughs> I went to bed. And that was kind of the first of the, I don't know if I would call it necessarily romantic because nothing happened, but there was definitely uh, something going on there. Yeah, there was a vibe. I, I definitely, I don't know. When you're traveling with people and it's not very many people, like there's just four of us and it's three girls and then one boy. I didn't want things to get weird. But then at the same time, I was like, this could be fun. So once the cruise was finished, the next leg of our journey was going to be going back to Hanoi. The four of us had had three wicked days together and we just decided, because we'd all come in on the same day, our visas expired on the same day and we were all heading south to Saigon. So we like, people buy motorbikes and drive from either Saigon up to Hanoi or vice versa. Let's go back to Hanoi, have a few days there, buy some motorbikes and then just spend the next three weeks just driving south together and see what happens en route. I think we had one really awesome night out. I had turned 21 while we were in Sapa, 
And when we got back to Hanoi, we decided to just tell everybody it was my 21st birthday, even though it was like two weeks ago or whatever. And at the hostel bar, the bartender was like, oh, it's your birthday? Free shots for everybody. And it was from one of those giant jugs filled with the rotting, decomposing snakes and lizards and things. And we're like already drunk at this point. I'm like, well, might as well. And I think that was the tipping point for every single person there. It was just like we were drunk and then all of a sudden we're alley-oop out the door. It was pouring rain and we were, I don't know who was leading us. We were following some blind sorcerer, I guess, down the streets in pouring rain. And on one of the corners, there's all of these people playing drums on buckets and things and people just dancing in the street and splashing in the street. So we joined them and I don't know, this was like the best night out of my life. Just dancing in the streets with all of these Vietnamese people, dancing, singing, whatever. And then I think one of them probably took us to a bar where you had to crawl underneath basically a garage door that they only had up maybe a few feet or maybe two feet so you just could crawl under it. And then through the back door was the bar, just music and dancing and all of this stuff going on and I remember Tom was definitely trying to get my attention and he's trying to work it a little bit and I think I uh, made a bet or I just instigated somehow because there is a pole on a platform and I was like oh you should like go up there and dance on that and he definitely did he just jumped right up and starts dancing and swinging around on it but there was a lady already on the pole and she was way up above him and kind of slid down the pole and wrapped her legs around his neck. And then all of a sudden Tom was having a pole dance with this lady as a scarf. And I I really liked that. I was like, okay, this guy knows how to have fun. Like, that's, that's really funny. That's probably when I was like, okay, I actually really like Tom. So that was our night out, our celebration before we left to go on our motorcycle journey. We bought our motorcycles. We got three of them from some random dudes in a hostel that were selling them. They kind of were cool, but also kind of sold us shit bikes. So not the coolest. None of us had rode motorcycles before. So they kind of gave us a quick tutorial in the streets when we bought them. But it obviously wasn't enough. We like watched them turn it on and turn it off. And then we're like, yeah, we pretty much get it. And decide to wake up at 4 a.m. to get out because Hanoi is one of the busiest cities in the world, especially during rush hour. We're all packed up. We're ready to rock. And right as we're about to head out, Natalie, um, the girl that I had been traveling with, her bike just starts leaking gasoline from the tank. And we don't have anything. So we're using Band-Aids and bubble gum to try to like patch it up so we can just get out. And obviously that didn't work none of us were really kind of mechanics so Aubrey and I had to like drive back a long loop back to the hostel and it was in rush hour traffic by then and it was like one of the first times either of us had ever been on a motorbike and it was just the most like thrilling thing in the world. We had forgotten our helmets which is so stupid. We're riding through the city and we're just having a bit of fun where we're just cruising between cars and making tight turns and stuff and just looking over at Tom and both of us just had these huge smiles on our face we're like this this is living. We're, we're doing it. This is so much fun. Probably one of those moments in your life where like, everything is just so good. You'll just remember it forever. But I remember like 
getting back and we did this like massive high five and things like that and I was like god she's cool I was feeling pretty flustered during periods of that ride it wasn't a long ride that was only like half an hour but trying to find our way through all these narrow streets and you go over the train tracks and it's super busy and she was just absolutely aced it. We went to a mechanic. It was going to take a little while. So we're like, okay, we got to chill out for a day at least. So we stayed another day. The mechanics fixed the bike and we're like, okay, ready to go again. Four a.m. comes around. We're like, get out of here as fast as we can because we've seen the traffic yesterday. We know what we're getting into. The bikes are fixed. And on our way out, we all get separated. Then I kind of find one person. It's Natalie and her bike is broken down again. I'm like, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna get out of this place? And by this time, the sun's coming up and it's getting so busy and it's so crazy and we're still in the center of Hanoi. And I don't know where Tom and May are and we're like, don't have service. What are we gonna do? And a police officer comes over and we're like, okay, well now we're gonna get a ticket because we don't have our driver's license or we don't have any permits. The officer just kind of comes over and he tinkers with the bike a little bit and then kickstarts it for her. And we're like, okay, adios. And just drove off as fast as we could. We're like, this is a lucky day. And as we're cruising down this road, I look over and there's May and Tom. And I'm like, oh my God, we're getting out of here. We're running with it. And we were really off that time. We got out of Hanoi, had an absolute blast. Just the most beautiful country. And when you're seeing on a bike, it's just uh, out of this world. Natalie ran off of the road a few times. Got some kids put on my bike for some selfies. Had some people try to have me take their kids with me. I'm like, mm -mm, maybe next time, see you later. second three or four hours after lunch was pretty miserable the weather was a bit shit and that like you've got a poncho on but there's nowhere to really hide when you're riding a motorbike into like sheet rain and it was it was real shit that afternoon was super miserable and i think we got into a place called Ninbin, and we were only planning on spending the night there but i think because we'd spent so long riding in the cold and we were wet orbs and may were feeling pretty shitty that evening i got really really sick really bad fever and i was just wrapped up in the middle of vietnam in the summer but wrapped up in like my coat and my blanket and everything just freezing so because i was sick we decided to just kind of stay there for maybe like a day or two extra and either looked it up or somebody gave us a recommendation of a restaurant and we went there a couple of times while we were there each evening we'd go to the same like sweet little family-run restaurant um and we'd, we'd play cards and sit for probably a few hours to just eat and hang out, whatever. We didn't have much to do, just chill out. Whenever they would bring out our appetizers, they'd bring out these little... Sweet, hard bread things, like almost like a shortbread cookie or something. Honey, soy, crunchy candy things, and they're delicious. And, and there'd be like a stack of about 15 or 20 of them. As we were playing cards, we'd just be eating those. And every time it got to the end, I would grab the last one and break it in half and give it to Tom under the tables, like a little uh, wink. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And like, we'd be making a lot of eye contact. But again, I was just like, oh, this is too good to be true. She's just super nice. And we're just getting on really well. And then it was decided the next morning we were going to get up early and leave. That's kind of where things got a bit weird on my side of my journey. 
my cousin was supposed to come out and meet us in Vietnam. He had been planning on coming to meet me in Asia. And I said, well, I'm in Vietnam. Got this great group. Just come join us. You can share my motorcycle or we can get you another motorcycle. We can all cruise together. It'll be great. And after that night, when we went back, it was maybe 2 a.m. or something. And I started getting all of these phone calls. And my cousin, he's panicking. He's like, I'm in China. I don't have a Vietnamese visa. He hadn't realized to get into Vietnam, you had to book a visa in advance. It wasn't visa on arrival like it is in Thailand. They're not gonna let me on the plane. What am I gonna do? I'm like, you idiot. You didn't get a visa to come to a different country. What are you doing? And so I'm trying to figure out what's gonna be the options because he definitely can't get the visa while he's sitting in this airport. I'm like, you go to Thailand, then you can get your visa from Thailand and come to Vietnam. But now he's all worried and scared and nervous because he's never really traveled abroad before. And now this has kind of all gone to shit. And he's like, I'm just really worried. I don't know what's going on. I just need somebody. So I'm like, okay, I'll come meet you in Thailand. And that is basically the end of my visa. If I leave, I could come back, but then it wouldn't be the same time. And then I'd miss Tom, May and Natalie. And it's like, why come back? So I'm like, okay, this is, this is it. I'll leave. I'll go meet my cousin. We'll have a, a different adventure now. And by that stage, we still had about a week and a half left of our visas. And I'd started to decide then that maybe there is this, whatever I'm feeling, maybe it is mutual, like I'm, I'm feeling something coming back now. I hadn't kind of acted on anything. I wanted to be certain, A, because she was just way out of my league, and B, there was a really nice dynamic, the four of us, and I didn't want to take a risk and ruin that dynamic. So I kind of just, I sat on my hands, didn't do anything, and then that morning... Woke up and... I kind of told everybody what was going on. May was like, okay, well, my visa is going to be up soon. I'm running out of money. I'll stay with you. Tom and Natalie, you guys can just carry on together. So all of a sudden, I'd, I'd, I'd woken up that morning super excited to kind of get out of Ninbin, finally and kind of get back on the road again. And then within about 10 minutes, it was just Natalie and I who carried on. I was like... Devastating, honestly. Because I, I kind of decided in my head that I was going to make a move and I hadn't acted on my feelings and then it had come back to bite me because she'd said, look, I'm really sorry, I've got to go. And I was absolutely devastated. Felt like everything got cut short. I had all these plans. I was having this great time, really amazing people. And then it's all just kind of taken away. I didn't think it was going to go anywhere anyways. I didn't think that it was gonna turn into anything. And so it's like, okay, we say goodbye. That's, it's been a beautiful time. We've had a lot of fun and that's it. Maybe see ya. I did feel so sad and a little bit sick about it. It just felt like it all went wrong. I was really excited to be up that morning and heading off and then just this bombshell happened and we'd got up early so that we could get on the road early. So it wasn't like a drawn out goodbye. It was within about 20 minutes of waking up. We were getting on the bikes, Natalie and I. We'd said goodbye to Aubrey and May. So Natalie and I headed on that morning and I was I was in a foul mood. Natalie is a sweet, sweet girl and like we got on well, but she definitely wasn't the person that I wanted to be with. She was in like a really good mood and things and that just made me in a really foul mood. I think she'd felt a bit frustrated that we hadn't got as far as we'd hoped. Obviously, she was sad to say goodbye to Aubrey and May, but she seemed, of the two of us, that she was handling it a lot better. And I was just, I was fuming. Like, I kept it to myself, but I definitely wouldn't have been the most pleasant person to be around. So we drove for about three or four hours, and then we stopped for lunch. And the place we were headed, Fong Na, 
there is some stunning caves there. One of the main, main things I wanted to do while I was in Vietnam was Phong Nha to go down to the caves. Really famous national park and it's supposed to be one of the biggest caves in the world. And Aubrey really wanted to see it. It was one of her like number one things to see in, in Vietnam. I can't believe I'm leaving this country and I didn't even see the one thing that I wanted to see here. So when I was talking to May, I was like, May, this, how am I supposed to leave? She's like, why don't we just go? We've got a full day. We can cruise down there, see it during the day, and then catch either the night bus or the morning bus and come back, and then you can catch your plane. It's like, brilliant, let's go for it. So we booked the next bus. And at this point, I still have my motorcycle. I'm like, I gotta get rid of this. The lovely people that were running the hotel, I went down, I was trying to Google Translate badly, like motorcycle, gotta get rid of it. Help me sell it, please. And the guy was really nice. He's like, follow me and jumps on his bike. And we cruise through the city. And he takes me to this guy who's like basically just puts money into my hand and takes my bike. And I'm like, oh, see ya. And it, oh, I got ripped off. But you know what? Whatever. It's all part of the thing. I went back to the hotel to say thank you. I gave him all of my motorcycle gear. I was like, I don't need this helmet. I don't need any of this stuff. You can keep it. He was very excited about that. Just because they had maybe four kids, but only one helmet. So I was like, they definitely need this helmet. Here, take all of this. Thank you for everything. And they helped us get a bus out. Took the bus down to Phong Nha. And at this point, we kind of accepted, like, that's the end of Vietnam. Let's just enjoy it. We'll have some fun. Not really thinking about Tom and Natalie very much. We did message them to be like, hey, just so you know, we're still here in the country for a little bit longer. If you guys want to come down here, we're only going to be here for basically the day. I was thinking, oh, I've missed my chance, which is so typically me. Up until I was kind of 22, 23, I always waited for things to happen instead of just making them happen. So I thought I'd missed this chance um, with a really beautiful, cool girl. And then suddenly we had a message saying that she was coming to meet us in Phong Nha. And then she said also, May's coming as well. I was like, sweet. Going to have like one last knees up with them. And I'm just going to say something like probably stupid because it's not going to go anywhere. But I would feel better just getting it off my chest and knowing that I said something. I remember not really being able to sleep that night because I was suddenly super nervous because I was like, right, now I've got no choice but to, to say it. And that was quite a big deal for me. I didn't really sleep, woke up at like half five, got on the bikes, absolutely pumped. Driving along, the sun was rising like over the rice fields and I was in such a good mood. I was feeling like super euphoric. There'd been like some up and down times traveling and things like that and like, it's stressful and tiring, but that was like, you always hear about these like moments. I was having a little moment on the bike. I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Like, absolutely beautiful, love Vietnam. And I've got like a second chance. And then a lorry veered into my lane and it clipped me. Fuck. Chance Encounters was created by The Story Mill. This episode was edited by Callum Devereaux. Voiceover by Claire Kavanagh. Sound mixing by Callum Devereaux. Follow us on Instagram at Storymill Studios or our website, thestorymill.com.au. If you've got a story to tell, send us an email at hello at thestorymill.com.au. Chance Encounters.